You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Two hours down, one to go. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan at the bottom of the hour. Nick Kiprios from Sportsnet 590 The Fan in Toronto. We'll ask Kipper, um, is there a chance Patrick Kane will waive to come to Calgary? Will that actually happen? Because we should find out more details on his future around December-ish. Because it depends on where the Blackhawks are. Because if they're good, which probably won't happen. Yeah, that's a big if. Yeah, uh, he he gets to choose his... And Jonathan Taves is unrestricted free agent too. Yeah. Does anybody want Jonathan Taves? Leadership. Anyone want Jonathan Taves at five and a half schmill? Hard pass. Probably. Do I want Jonathan Taves at two and a half mil? Maybe. 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 Um, yesterday, great games in the National Football League like it usually is. Uh, to talk about it every Monday morning, our pal Charles Davis, NFL insider, CBS Sports NFL analyst. Charles, good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're great. Thanks for jumping on again, Charles. We really appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, um, thanks for having me. No problem. Appreciate it. You, you had the call of the Giants and Ravens game yesterday. You were there in yeah. the stadium. Can you explain to yeah. us how the Ravens gave that game away? Because I still can't wrap my head around it. No, I. This really needs to go hyperbole for me and go. No, I don't understand <laughs> it. But, but I, I. Here's what it comes down to. It's always the little things, isn't it? Right when 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 we're watching those murder mystery shows, how did the person get caught? They left a drop of sweat at the scene. And the DNA pops up. <laughs> a partial thumbprint when they wiped everything else clean. Yep. They forgot the shell casing. Yep. Right? It's always it's that true. little tiny. And it, they wore the same shoes right, to four different true. times where they murdered people. And now they got the tread. Right? It's the little stuff. Mm-hmm. It always gets you. Here's where the Ravens lost this ball game. It wasn't the plays down the stretch, although you give the Giants credit for making them. It was... Third and a third and one. We're late in the ball game. Lamar Jackson runs a quarterback sneak, picks up a first down. We're pretty much about to tap this one out now, because now you're going to use up your timeouts. You're going to be able to keep the football. You got a new set of downs. All of that, right? Flag on the play. You know what the flag was for? Hmm. Illegal formation. How? <laughs> because. Someone didn't line up correctly. I think it was Kenyon Drake, the running back. Just based off the reaction I saw from a couple players, how would I say it? Vehemently discussing things with him after the play. Right. <laughs> so I think that he what, what he did was when he was split out wide, he ended up on the line of scrimmage when he should have been off of it, and now he covered up the t- covered up the tackle. It, you get the idea. Anyway, now it's third and five, third and six. They run Drake in motion back towards the quarterback. I think it distracted Lamar, and somehow the ball gets snapped in the same moment. Snap goes awry. Lamar Jackson picks it up. And now on holidays when we play with our families, he tries one of those plays. (laughs) He's running around, and instead of just taking the medicine, three-point lead, Defense is pretty good. Punt it away. Let's give him a chance. He tries to make that throw. It gets picked by Julian Love. He returns it deep, and everything changed from there. That's where the game was lost. 
third and one. They had the first down. They line up illegally, and that's your ball game. All the highlights are going to focus on other things. They're going to have focus on the interception by against Lamar by Julian Love. They're going to focus on Saquon Barkley scoring. They're going to focus on all those things. The focus was third and one penalty. That's where the game was lost. Uh, Charles, as a guy who played in the league and as an analyst now, how much did that put a smile on your face when Saquon Barkley just sat down instead of scoring? Because the Ravens let him score because they wanted oh. they wanted the ball back. He sat down because he knew that would clinch the game. And yet at the same time, you have a smile on your face saying, what a smart, heady football play. But at the same time, you know so many fantasy football owners were devastated oh, watching him sit that. down at the one. You're so right because you remember the movie Animal House with the Devil and the Angel? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. The devil and the angel on the guy's shoulder about making good choices or bad choices. Right. And the bad choice sure looks like it feels better. <laughs> That's what it was because the fantasy owners were the devil screaming, score, score, I need the point. And there's the angel going, make the right choice, play situational football. <laughs> and the contrast was so evident there because situational football for the Ravens was Lamar Jackson picking up the ball when it went awry and throwing it away and punting the ball away. That's situational football. Play complimentary football. Trust your defense. Didn't do it. Cost of a ball game. Flip side was Barkley sitting down. New set of downs, the whole deal. There you go. Now, the Ravens did get the member when they finally scored the touchdown, right? The Ravens did get the ball with three timeouts left, but couldn't make it happen. And that would have hit the over, too, because I think they ended up at 44, and it was 45 and a half, so yeah. that draws into it yeah, as well. All sorts you, what of... What you're saying is there were a lot of people muttering words that yes. we can't use on air that's right, right. Now. Yeah. yeah, There was a lot of bitterness during the end of that game. That's yeah. okay. A lot, exactly. a lot of anger. That's, yes. that's, the beauty of, that's the beauty of playing those things, <laughs> is that you may love a certain player, and that love turns to hate really fast when he yeah. doesn't give you what you need. Yeah, some Giants fans with the over who are just angry at the victory. Like, yeah. uh, couldn't have been two more points. And didn't win the rest of it. Yeah, totally. Um, wanted to ask you about Tom Brady. Uh, yelling at his offensive lineman, a tough loss for the Buccaneers as they fall to the Steelers 20-18. to Tom Brady losing to quarterbacks like Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky. What did you make of the performance and... Um, the off the field kind of showing from Tom Brady in that game as well. Yeah, I, you know, look, I didn't see the game, so I can't comment on all of that. That would be disingenuous on my part. I try to make sure I stay in the right lane when I'm doing things. But I can, I think, comment on you got to bring the total into it, right? Quarterbacks yelling at different players and linemen, receivers, running backs, coaches, that's not unusual, right? We all see it. It happens in sports all the time. There's dust-ups. There's, there's differences of opinion, as we like to call it. There, there, there's the emotion that kicks into it. And as a quarterback, there's almost an expectation that at some point he's going to light into you, okay, because a quarterback can and should demand absolute excellence from everyone, and you have to do things a, a certain way. When you bring the total into it for this year, for Tom Brady, that's when it gets a little bit where you're going to start asking a couple of extra questions because obviously he's going through something in his life that is affecting him. And it's understandable, right? Hmm. He's going through some other things that are going on, but then he's at a party wedding on Friday night. Report is he doesn't make 
meetings and walk through all those head coach Todd Bowles said he didn't miss anything, which is what a good head coach is supposed to do. And I don't know if that's right or wrong. I'm not questioning Todd Bowles. It's just there were a lot of reports that he didn't go to a certain, you know, certain practices, et cetera, et cetera. And a Friday night party wedding during season seems a little unusual for a guy playing a game that weekend, especially a guy like Tom Brady, who we're not used to that type of a thing. You know, we're used to absolute total locked-in dedication. Maybe that's unrealistic. I don't know. But then you see him screaming at his linemen on on Sunday, and you just wonder to yourself, how are they receiving that right now? In certain situations, no one's questioning it. Like, you know, Tom Brady's yelling at me. He's got, hey, it's Tom Brady, blah, blah, blah. But the way this year has gone, you know, he's been away from the team. He's done this. There's been certain, you know, this report about allowances. That I wonder if it's playing the same way. You know, I'm not there. I'm not close enough. I'd have to ask and then do more from covering the team. I would I would ask the next question. Maybe there's everything is just hunky dory with it. But it certainly doesn't seem like it would be normal, does it guys? I mean it just seems yeah. a little mm. bit different. And again, he has every right to jump on the players if they're not playing well and all that. He's the starting quarterback. But how it's received might be different than it might have been in the past. I don't know. Because I, I've told people this a million times, I, and I stand by. I don't do domestic. I don't get into someone's private life, even though it's all out there in the newspapers and people are speculating. I can't know what the man's feeling and going through. But if indeed it's in that realm, that's not easy. <laughs> that's absolutely not easy. But I would dare say he's not the only one in the league going through something like that this year. The numbers would dictate there are other people going through stuff like that, too. They're just not Tom Brady, and we're not following it, focusing in on it, and writing about it all the time. Um, Charles, separating the, the personal side, which you just talked about, if you could hit Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady with some true serum, do you think both, if you actually asked them in a moment, saying, you know, was it a good idea for you to come back, or maybe you should have hung him up? <laughs> just from a football I side of things. Pro- yeah, I think probably much more from Tom Brady's side just because of everything else that seems to be swirling around. For Aaron Rodgers' side, I don't think so. I think that these quarterbacks, one thing that they do pride themselves on is showing the world that they are the difference. You know, Green Bay not drafting a receiver in the first round since 2002. Has that ever been a real deterrent for Aaron Rodgers? Nope. He's helped develop receivers and players and won four MVPs and – you know, won a Super Bowl and, and has his team contending almost every year. Tom Brady, what have we said? Other than Randy Moss, don't we always scream about the lack of receivers he had in New England? Mm-hmm. Yet they won Super Bowls all the time. They were the difference. They brought people along. Patrick Mahomes is going through that now in Kansas City, showing that he's the difference in bringing them along, even though they lost on Sunday. Think about him going to Tampa and what they did there, right? Think about some of the other wins that they've had. He now has been entrusted to be that guy. I think these quarterbacks like being that person. So I don't think that either one of them, in terms of that legacy, that responsibility, that focal point, are regretting anything. I think just Tom Brady, you know, it just feels like things are way more unsettled for him and he has the extra layers going on. For Aaron Rodgers, he feels like everything is about the, the, the game, the team. And let's just see where it goes from there. Because I've seen him struggle with some of these young receivers before, and they've always figured it out. So we're six games in. I'm not about to get there with these guys yet. Charles Davis, CBS Sports NFL analyst, joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose.
Sportsnet 960, the fan. Charles, obviously the biggest game of the day was the Bills picking up that win at Arrowhead yeah. against the Chiefs. Huge. And and I get that uh, for the Bills. Uh, it, it probably isn't the win they wanted to feel like until they actually beat the Chiefs in the playoffs. But isn't that yeah. just a monster win because maybe these teams meet again, but this time in Buffalo in January, yeah. and that'll be the difference? And as I understand it, Josh Allen is undefeated at home in the playoffs. Yeah. And I don't know that he's won a road game in the playoffs. Now, again, it's not all on the quarterback, et cetera. And sometimes we give them records like they're starting pitchers in baseball. And, and it's not apples to apples. It doesn't yeah. work that and, way. And sorry, real quick. Patrick Mahomes has never played a road game outside of the Super Bowl, which is, which is mind-blowing, too. Right. His, his road games have been, quote-unquote, neutral sites, yeah. although they did play Tampa and Tampa for one Super Bowl. But – all that being said, Buffalo in January is just a different animal for anyone. I don't care what your record <laughs> is going in. If you're, if you're playing Buffalo in January, things change. <laughs> you know, the Bill, the, but it's not just the Bills Mafia. I mean, myself, Iron Eagle, and Evan Washburn, we were fortunate enough last year, although during that night I'm not sure we thought we were fortunate, to do that Bills-New England playoff game. Oh. It was minus six at kickoff. Yeah. It's a different world, <laughs> okay? And it changes everything that you do. But the bigger thing for me is that Buffalo defense, we keep talking about how good it is, but typically the conversation veers right back to Josh Allen in the offense. We need to continue to give that more credence. Go back to the, the Baltimore game earlier this year when Leslie Frazier made the adjustment near the half that he had to start bringing pressure even though they're not a pressure team. And they did, had success, won the game. How about Sunday? Who made the difference in that ball game? Yeah, Josh Allen made a huge throw to Dawson Knox. Who made it stand up? Who, who, who throttles people in the second half of games? Juan this Miller. Buffalo Bills defense. Yep. And by the way, Jordan Poyer couldn't fly to the game. Did you guys see that story? Took a van. Because of his injury, yeah. the doctors did not want him having, alt- you know, having altitude deal with him. 15 hours each way by car. They drove him to the game. Four tackles played well. Put him in the car, drove him back. That's that's dedication. That is absolutely dedication. Put him in the Brinks truck and ship that's him it. back. There you go. Um, Listen, you only you only do that with difference makers, though. Okay? Yeah. Uh, okay. If, if Charles Davis has that injury, I'm yeah. just inactive and left at home. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. But, again, it's not like he was taking a white cube van, Charles, with, like, a blanket in the back. I'm sure, he, I'm sure it was a nice ride for 15 hours. My, my, my guess is, is that he was in first class of, of, of motor vehicles. Yeah. He was not in steerage. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. That would be my That's guess. right. Escalated with the middle rows out. Got a hot tub back there or right. something like that. Yeah. Fine. Jordan, Jordan, is this how you would like it? <laughs> how many pillows would you like? Uh, Charles, a uh, couple of five and one teams that uh, I'm I'm curious on. We just talked about the Bills. We talked about the Giants a little bit, but the Vikings there as well. For real, or maybe a little bit of pretenders at five and one. I think we want to keep calling them pretenders because it's easy to do because not many people picked them in preseason. But it looks real. It looks like there's a relaxation, there's a relaxed atmosphere around this team that oftentimes you get. And what happens is we always look at it like if you had a stern coach, you get a coach who's less stern. If you had a less stern coach without success, you go get a stern coach. Right? You're always getting the opposite. Mm-hmm. The thing I want people to keep in mind is while all that is being said, and yes, it didn't end quite well 
with Mike Zimmer as the head coach. Prior to, they had a lot of success. So let's not act like, you know, during Zim's time, everything was a disaster. It wasn't. They got to an NFC championship game. They were perennial contenders. They were one of the best defenses in the league up until the last two seasons, all of those things. But maybe it was just time, right? Maybe the change had to happen, and it's working well for Kevin O'Connell. But I think the big ben- biggest beneficiary has been Kirk Cousins. Because personality-wise, Kirk is a guy that needs people in his corner. And that's not a character flaw. Most of us do. But some people are able to weather that hard coaching criticism. Maybe my coach doesn't believe in me and, and, and wake up every morning with the I'll, t- I'll show you attitude. I feel like, and I'm not playing psychologist on radio, and I shouldn't, but I do feel like what, what, what I know of Kirk Cousins, he will give you better play with more affirmation than criticism. And I think he's getting out bad of Kevin O'Connell and this staff and is showing with this offense, is showing with it, with how they're playing. And they definitely needed to get younger on defense. They kind of got a little long in the tooth. They've done that. So, yeah, they've still got a lot to prove because people are still kind of Minnesota. But remember, we thought Miami was for real. And yeah. I know that they're down on quarterbacks, but they went down to Miami and took care of business. Buffalo went to Miami and got beat. Mm. Again, quarterbacks different. Tua versus Skylar Thompson, that's a big difference. But in the NFL, you got to play with who you got. Yeah. And by the way, Pittsburgh just won with Kenny Pickett getting hurt and Mitchell Trubisky, who'd been benched, being brought back into the game and beat Tom Brady in Tampa. So from week to week, you're not sure what you're going to get. One in five are the Carolina Panthers, and we've started to maybe hear some rumors, perhaps, that Christian McCaffrey could be available via trade. Um just a thought on how the Panthers have, have gotten to this point and, and what should come next as far as maybe moving him on to a different team and, and trying to get some assets back. Yeah, the, the owner, David Tepper, is going to have to make a decision and, and, and give the word to Scott Fitterer, the GM, about where he wants to go from here, meaning do we want to level this house and rebuild it? Or do we think we've got enough structure that we can start fortifying and go from there. And if you think you've got enough structure and if you get the right head coach and do that, then you really don't want to move from Christian McCaffrey. But if you think you're going to level this thing and really kind of start over, then, 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 then that's the idea. Now, here's, the, here's the, the kicker as I see it. You see a player of McCaffrey's talents, you start having visions of what you could get back for him in a trade. Has anyone seen what trades have looked like in the NFL? And have you ever sat, to you, sat down and thought to yourself, that guy's a heck of a player, and they got him for a fifth. Mm. See, yeah. you're not getting the return like you would expect for a Christian McCaffrey yeah. for, for a couple of reasons. One, he's a running back. Two, prior to this season, the last two years, he's missed way more games than he's played in. So we're now three, four years removed from 100 catches and 1,000 yards and 1,000, 1,000 running and catching. We're a few years removed from that and a lot of dings. What can you really get for him? The idea that you're getting first round, second round. To me, if you get a fourth round, you've done a heck of a, jo- heck of a job. I-, I just don't see it because people just don't do that with runners, especially runners who have been dinged. That's, that's the thing. And so, you know, I've got a friend who's like a big Panthers fan. He's like, well, I'm not moving unless I get value. And I said, I get that. I get what you're talking about. But here's the flip side. Hmm. You could very well have him, unfortunately, get dinged again and you get nothing. 
that's what you have to decide you want to do, and that's what David Tepper and his crew are going to have to go through. Because the Robbie Anderson thing happened this week, right? There's going to be talk about DJ Moore, the wide receiver. Could he be available? And contenders are going to be sniffing around on that. So if we start to see those guys move, that means they're leveling the house, folks. And they're starting over. Brand new coach. They got to find a quarterback. And by the way, this is supposed to be a quarterback rich draft. Charles, before I let you go, um, I have to ask you do you have a piece of the goalpost after your Vols beat Bama <laughs> on Saturday night? Are you in possession of a piece of a goalpost right now? Guys, unless I was a scuba diver, could dive into the Tennessee River and get a piece. No. <laughs> what, what, no, what, what, I mean, what does that what win mean? What was that? <laughs> I mean, here's two things. Number one, the win means everything if you're a Tennessee ball. And I won't give you a full thing, but the history of Tennessee-Alabama is rich, even though Alabama's won the last 15. The third Saturday in October is the name of the game, and it means something. Tennessee and Alabama put Southern football on the map back in the 20s and the 30s. You can go on all day. It's a big, big, big deal. And us beating Alabama reignites the rivalry because the rivalry is not a rivalry if one team wins all the time, right? Right. So now we can reignite that, and, and it means something. Fifteen years pent up the whole deal. The tearing down the goalposts is a tradition as long as we played college football. I get it, but the stick to it of 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 somehow maneuvering them out of a stadium where there's no portal big enough to get the post <laughs> through, and I don't know how they did it, and I really don't want to know. Right. And then, and then to stay with it, to haul them down and heave them in the river, yeah. more power to my people. Let me just tell you, let me just put it to you this way, guys. I celebrate the Bama win as much as anyone. I'm still walking in the clouds. I'm not picking up a goalpost for anyone. <laughs> for anyone, yeah. anytime, anywhere, any game, okay? Yeah, okay. Just leave the goalpost in the ground and let's go. But if we want to tear them down, great. Tear them down and break off pieces and sell them or give them to people and the whole deal. But to take them and haul them and throw them in the river? I don't know. I'll put it to you this way. I know we're going to need new goalposts. I'm pretty sure these got damaged and bent. Years and years ago when Northwestern was really bad, you remember when they could beat anyone back in the 70s or whatever it was? They actually beat someone, and like the 12 students that were at the game somehow tore down a goalpost and threw it in the river or whatever it was near, near Evanston. The next day, Northwestern sent people out with a helicopter and other things to get that goalpost because they had money to go get new ones. <laughs> and they got That's it awesome. out of the river and put it back in the stadium. <laughs> in Tennessee, I think we're going to go with new ones, but it's a whole That's different awesome. ballgame. I'm sure. I'm sure alcohol was not involved in any way. No, Charles was like, look- "Let's go throw it in the river." Let's I'm sure that never. I'm sure that had nothing I, I, to do I with the church. I have to tell you, I have to tell you, it's a brand new relationship between the three of us. Yeah. But I have to. I have to mention, I am absolutely shocked that you would think that alcohol would be a part of this. <laughs> I, I, You're right. You know, in Knoxville, Tennessee, yeah. <laughs> in the state of Tennessee, right. Home of Jack Daniels and all, and and, 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 and Jim Beam, and yeah. well, I think Jim Beam, Kentucky. <laughs> But, yeah. you know, and the bean people, let me tell you, the Kentucky people, you don't want the Kentucky people mad at you when you start talking about bourbon. So I don't want to get into Fair. that. That's right. All right. Yeah. But in our state, I, am, I have to tell you, I'm going to go sit down. I was walking around. I have to sit down now because the hurt feelings I had that you would think alcohol would be involved <laughs> yeah. in, in, in the decision making yeah. of 18 to 22 year olds <laughs> after a big win. Yeah. 
throwing a goalpost uh, into a river. Consider yep. me stunned. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, Scream Charles, sober. Uh, mm. I'm going to try to repair our relationship next Monday when we speak again. <laughs> okay. I will try. <laughs> Let me put you this way. I don't think you have to try too hard. I All think right. it's good. Okay. Uh, Charles Davis, NFL insider, CBS Sports NFL analyst. Charles, great stuff. We'll talk next week. Thanks for this. Hey, great talking with you guys. And the next time we celebrate, let's just go get the gold nets from the hockey. Yeah. yeah. Those are easier to carry. We got a river in the city. We can just whip them right in there. We I get, It'd be very when, difficult. When I, when, I, when I come to visit, we're yep. swinging right by there. We're grabbing a net. And okay. we're, going, we're throwing it in. And then <laughs> so, we're going to go celebrate. Sounds good. I think we can do it with three. Right, we, we don't need the 20 Charles. <laughs> great stuff, uh, Charles Davis. Uh, great, great stuff. Like, the, you know that was a decision. We're like, let's go throw it in the river. Well, like, who's leading the pack? Yeah. Because that's who's like... Who's the voice of reason you know, and all of that? Well, there's... None. I don't, I don't think there's any voice. Because I was watching this on the screen at the bar after the beer league game on Saturday. Yeah. And I had my back to the TV, and Buddy's like, what are they doing? Why are they carrying this through the streets? And I'm yeah. like, what are you talking... And the video of that they have that is like a, a chronological order of them tearing it down, and then they go through, like, the bowels of the stadium... And then they get out, and they're in the streets, and then yeah. all of a sudden, a river. Where, where else would you put it? Uh, it's <laughs> they, they love their college ball. Uh, what, what would that look like in Calgary? What would be the equivalent? Like, you can't... Like, I, please I don't, ask my friends this. Please don't take any piece of the dome in my fall. <laughs> Do not take any pieces of the dome with you. We need everything in place. It's held by glue sticks and <laughs> glue and popsicle sticks right now. Do not take any part of the dome with you, Okay. The goal, like what? You grab the net. You, can, you can't get on the ice to grab the nets. No, no. Dangerous out there. Yeah, no. The giant blue ring out by the airport. But then it's a hike up there. You got to yeah. get the thing. And then it's a hike all the way back. Like Deerfoot's quick when you're going 110. But when you're walking and you're carrying the giant blue ring with yeah. 300 of your closest pals, I'd slow you down. Yeah, it definitely would. Hmm. My buddy said maybe the big head in, in front of the bow tower. Okay. That's like a pretty relatively short jaunt from the dome. You could probably get there in like 20, 25 minutes. Okay. I don't know how bolted into the ground that thing is, but I assume quite. Okay. It's quite big. I think we'd be able to lift it. Yeah, I, again, I. You don't know what it looks like, but when you see it, you'll be like, yeah, we could probably throw that in the river. Yeah, and and people are listening. Please don't throw it in the (laughs) river. Please just leave it. It's also on 4th, so it's super close to the river. Like, you barely have to, you'd have to go five blocks, and then you could just roll it in just past the Peace Bridge. It might flood Prince's Island Park, but I don't know. I just got some ideas. All right. I'm a bit of an idea guy. Yeah, sorry. I don't want to write. There's no such thing as bad ideas when we (laughs) brainstorm. There's no such thing. Uh, Nick Kiprios, uh, he's the host of Real Kipper and Born under pals at Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto, NHL player, Stanley Cup champion. He'll join us next. He's a pretty connected, dialed-in dude, too. Uh, we'll ask him, where does he think Patrick Kane's going uh, when eventually the Blackhawks season goes into the toilet, which we all expected to, to, to go? Wait until December, George. It's far too early to be saying no, that. No, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to ask him now uh, Well, after the break. Uh, it's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. 20 minutes to go in the show. Already? Uh, everyone's still in the afterglow, as the great Jerry <laughs> Howard used to say, of a Flames 4-3 victory Saturday night in Edmonton. Now eight straight at home. I, 
I don't understand why. Three weeks of home cooking, is, baby. Does is there some sort of jamboree that's going to happen here? Is it a convention that's coming? Is the arena like booked after this? Are like, they building I, a new arena? No, no, oh no, they're that's not. not. Oh, too bad. Um, I don't understand some of the scheduling. Uh, Patrick Kane stuff. Lots to discuss. Uh, he is the host of Real Kipper and Born at our pal Sportsnet nine sixty in Toronto, Stanley Cup champion. Mm-hmm. We say good morning to Nick Kiprios. Kipper, how are you, pal? I'm good. Guys, congrats on this show. Sounds great. Thanks, Looking Kipper. Looking forward to a fun year. Thanks, Kipper. Um, I have to ask you right away. This, can you figure out the NHL schedule? Because we can't. The Flames play two games, and they're only playing the Oilers three times. And then right away, eight at home, and then they have to go on the road for like nine. <laughs> How, like As a former player, when you look at the schedule, you go, what is happening here? Why are we doing this? Listen, I was never one of those players that I could question anything other than uh, my next shift. Right, so others like maybe um, you know McDavid or now uh, Huberto. Maybe they can look around and make a call to the league and say, "Hey, what's going on, boys?" It's, uh, uh, but not me, not me. I just kept my head down and uh, uh, went wherever they were pointing, whatever direction they were pointing in. Nick, we got a lot that we could ask you about, but it is a, a, a day where we are basking in the afterglow of a Flames victory. What have you made of the first couple of games with these new players for the Calgary Flames and getting a big win in their uh, provincial rivalry on the weekend? Well, first of all, I think the, the anticipation of knowing that they were better and deeper on paper, but doesn't necessarily kind of transcend that uh, right away. So I think in the early part kind of came as advertised uh, that, uh, you know, Kadri was going to shore up that center ice uh, in, in the first three slots. We saw two out of the three centermen score against the Oilers. There were stretches, of course, where I'm sure Daryl Sutter wasn't happy with uh, Saturday night. But for the most part, I think Calgary's come out and, and, and shown that outside of what's on paper, that they're, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with in, in the Western Conference. And, uh, you know, Vladdy came in and did a nice job because Markstrom uh, obviously was an available Saturday night. They're a deep team. I think they proved that in the first couple of games that uh, uh, they're going to be fun to watch this season. Uh, Kipper, what's something that the people of Calgary were learning about Naz that maybe they don't know because you know him so well and watched him for so many years? Well, just the skill level. And, uh, you know, the ability now to legitimately have people believe that he could score 90 points a season and, and, and maybe be up there. But because of, you know, the, the reputation that he had coming out of Toronto and what he needed to do um, again and again and again, and he had to do the same thing in Colorado, is just lose that that this guy doesn't have a filter and this guy cannot distinguish when to back off. And uh, uh, in Calgary again, or in Colorado again, uh, when he was suspended uh, in the playoffs for a late hit. Um, But now he's in a position where you think of Kadri first and foremost, I, I believe as a, a game breaker, a guy that can go in there and score a big goal as he did in the Stanley cup final. So that, to me, is the biggest game changer for him now. He's put himself in a different uh, uh, 
uh, view amongst people that watch him. He's no longer that uh, wild card. That what is he gonna? When's he gonna do something stupid? Uh, he's got great finish. He's got exceptional talent. Uh, he, he can put the puck in the net. And uh, we saw that Saturday night when he finished off a, a great opportunity to go in one on one on on Jack Campbell. Uh, Kipper, he got traded from the Leafs because he loved to play for the Leafs too much, right? <laughs> You'd think so, but <laughs> we we all know that uh, Brandon Shanahan and and Kyle Dubas just ran out of patience on him. What, was that and, Babcock uh, too, Kipper? Uh, I don't know, to be honest with you. I, at the end of the day, Babcock doesn't make that decision. Uh, that that goes higher up. And they just felt like uh, they, they, he just high maintenance, didn't trust him, ran out of patience. And uh, as we know, and as Leaf fans know, it was a huge mistake uh, to not try to find a way to manage uh, those emotions in him. And I, I think I've watched him long enough to, to tell you that if, if the team around him isn't built a certain way, there's certain guys that go, okay, if you're not going to do it and you're not going to do it and you're not going to do it, I'm going to go out there and do it. And he's got that light switch that he can, he can bring different elements. And that's probably why, you know, Calgary loves, loved him so much is because he can bring different elements. And over the course of two months and best of seven series, there's going to be times when you have to have that edge and that look without crossing a line. And you hope yet again that uh, he, he understands that. Uh, but they, they stopped trusting him, and that was a mistake because they, they took the eye off of the talent and the finish and, uh, you know, the ability to, uh, to be a great support guy to uh, a Nathan McKinnon. And uh, Colorado took full advantage of it to the point where they want to stand like cup, and, and, and the Leafs are still trying to scramble out of the first round. So, Nick, that's the story with the Flames. They've, they've won both their two games. They were one of the two busiest teams in the offseason. I'd say them and the Senators, probably one and two. But the Senators have a, an opposite start, 0-2 to start their year. Um, what have you made of what you've seen from some of the Senators in limited action so far? Not an NHL playoff defense. Mm. That uh, a, a guy like Jake Sanderson can come in and almost look like their best defenseman. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, Shabbat isn't off to a great start, and there's a lot of pressure on him now to step up and, and, and look like an $8 million player, and that hasn't been the case. But outside of that, uh, a blue line that needs so much help. Dorian's been looking for a defenseman now for, what, three months? Uh, hasn't delivered. And if he doesn't deliver I don't know whether or not uh, the young guns up front can, can hold uh, a, a spot for Ottawa to make people believe that they can contend or be in, be in a race come February or March. Uh, that, that blue line is, is not NHL caliber for me and certainly not a, a playoff uh, blue line. Nick Kiprios is the host of Real Kipper and Born on our friend Sportsnet 590 The Fan in Toronto. Stanley Cup champion joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Uh, Kip, saw the, uh, the, the story this morning from The Athletic that Patrick Kane's going to see how 
he, he how the season goes with the Blackhawks. If they're in contention, he might want to stay, but we all think the Blackhawks won't be in contention. Uh, apparently, December's the earliest where we'll get a decision. Him and his agent, Patrick Saar, are going to get together. It's going to essentially come down to where Patrick Kane's going to waive his no trade and go play. Do you expect him to waive it to an Eastern Conference city, or do you think there is a chance he'd want to come play in, in Calgary? I think it's wide open right now for him. Uh, and, you know, he is 100% in the driver's seat. And, you know, the, the one thing that uh, I, I, I kind of tell people is that, you know, there, there seems to be some animosity still behind the scenes between him and Chicago. And, uh, you know, whether or not it's a foregone conclusion that he's even going to wave at the end of the year, or he may just say, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll just play this thing out. Maybe I'll just play 40 or 50 games and shut it down and get some maintenance done and, uh, and worry about where my next destination is this summer. Uh, there's so many scenarios that could still play out in all of this. In saying that, if he feels the itch to try to win a cup as early as this year again, I think it's wide open. I think he can look at it and say, by March, I can go and spend a few months anywhere. Uh, it really won't matter east or west. If there's a nice scenario, if there's nice synergy going on in Calgary, why not? People want to link him to the Rangers. Uh, the moment, uh, you know, it was a foregone conclusion that uh, Chicago would like to trade him. You know, you heard Toronto. You heard, you know, a number of different places. But like I said, he's completely in the driver's seat. I don't think he has a clue how this is going to play out. He's just going to take it day by day, week by week. There are some, there's wear and tear on him. He's got to see how he feels physically. Uh, he does have some hip issues that might need to be addressed maybe in a, in a minor way. Um, all of that can factor in to what happens to Pat Kane between now and the trade deadline. What do you think the market might be for a guy like Jonathan Taves? Because at 10 and a half, maybe the appetite isn't big, but if you could get retention or double retention and get Jonathan Taves in for your middle six at two and a half million dollars, I feel like a contender would be very eager to see what a cost might be there. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that for a second, but he's going to have to come back and show you know that he can still be uh, one of those guys that you can slot almost anywhere uh, in your lineup. So I think for, for Taves, it's just a matter of coming in and, and getting off to a decent start with Chicago and then putting yourself in that position. Uh, a guy that you guys have known really well over the last little while is Sean Monaghan as well. I think Sean needs to show, and he got a big goal against uh, the Leafs in, in, in the opening night. Uh, same thing. If he can come in and show that uh, there's value there, he's healthy, Taze is healthy, now you put yourself in a position. But the trick is, obviously, with Taze, is, is the money even at 50% down come March? If it is $2.5, 3000000 million, still might be tough for people to add that. That, that still mm. is a significant money. When, when a dozen contending teams are pressed up against uh, the cap, uh, he's, he's going to have to prove that he's really worthy of, of adding significant dollars even that late in the season to your cap. That's, 
that's the, that's a challenge for those type of players. Um, Nick, Flames fans saw Jack Campbell uh, struggle on Saturday night, and I think it was a little surprising the amount of term and money he got out in free agency five at 25. Um, what's your read on Jack Campbell with the Oilers? Is he good enough to get them where they want to go? Or are we going to see a guy that struggles with injuries and fights inconsistency? I'll tell you what, he's, he's better than what he's shown to, to get off the start there. And, you know, I'm watching Saturday night and he's certainly not getting any help in front of the net. Uh, Murray had a tough time. Bouchard had a tough time. Uh, that that's going to settle down a little bit for him. And he is better for the experience that he had in Toronto to handle maybe some of the, the pressure that's going to come his way in Edmonton. But it's a gamble. It's a gamble. The Leafs weren't prepared to go five years for him. Edmonton was. Uh, they're going to live and die uh, by that decision as early as this year. Uh, whether he stays healthy, uh, again, over a long period of time, and he has had some issues uh, over his career, remains to be seen. I, I don't know where the goaltending angle throughout the league in the next few years is going to go, as if we'll ever see big contracts ever again. Shesterkin probably will be the only one I could see in the foreseeable future to, to be thinking about a $10 million a year contract in the next two years. The rest of them, I don't know, guys. Um, it just seems like the goaltending uh, market or or at least the guarantee that your goalie is going to be great uh, doesn't seem to be a, there like it was years ago. And I think you're going to see teams pull the old Darcy Kemper. And that is just find a guy that is good enough that can make the save when he's supposed to. And we'll move on. We'll find another Darcy Kemper, but we're not locking in five years or six years anymore uh, on a goaltender. Again, outside of uh, Shesterkin, I I don't know. We'll see where Ottinger goes for the Dallas Stars. He seems to be one of those guys where it's early enough that the organization loves him, but we'll see how that plays out. But these are far and few now, guys. And Edmonton was desperate enough to, to, to make that five-year commitment that the Leafs weren't willing to go. Um, and we'll see how it plays out as the season progresses. But I like him. I, I think he's, he's going to add some stability, enough to, to carry them to a conference final, Stanley Cup final. Hey, let's all watch and wait and see. Uh, Nick, so what you're saying is uh, if your son wants to pick up goalie pads, don't because you're not going to make all that bank in the NHL. Better pick up a baseball with your left hand and make some serious money. That's where it's at. No, no, no. Golf. Yeah. Go, go become a golfer so so you can sit in the sun and walk. And, uh, there you go. And, and not feel that much pressure on you. That's it. It's the best. Uh, Nick Kiprios, uh, he's the host of Real Kipper and Born Under Friends Sports and 590 The Fan in Toronto. Of course, Stanley Cup champion. Kip, great stuff. Let's do it again soon. You bet. Uh, congratulations on the show. Sounds great. And we'll speak to you guys soon. Thanks, Nick. Good stuff. Great stuff from Nick Kiprios. There you go. Goalie's not going to make that much money. Get the goalie pads away. Put the player stick in their hands. Like it's, it's, You're not going to see Carey Price deals anymore. <laughs> I feel like we also need to put a little context here. Like, not that much money is okay, but <laughs> okay, but relative to what the other guys yeah, are making, like by that, but by, by 
by that token, yeah, you shouldn't put yeah. on skates to start. Tw- you should pick up a baseball with your left hand. And you left should throw hand. it a million times a day left until hand. you can brush up on 100 miles. Sure. And then go to... Yeah, I don't okay. know where where do they find baseball players? Okay, not here. I'll tell you that for free. Well, there's a really good one that's from well, here. Well, yeah, but Mike Soroka. But yeah, how long was he here? Was he here for a long time? Okay, well, Owen oh, Hargraves weird. is from here. He kicked a soccer ball, made millions of dollars playing soccer in Europe, and, and ended up playing for England's national team when he was as Canadian as Canadian <laughs> can be. But whatever. <laughs> your your face just went blank when I just bust out the Owen Hargraves. Yeah, anytime you talk okay, anything sorry. football, it's like right yeah. over my head. It's okay. Um, I uh, want to get to something here, and yeah, twenty twenty five sheets is a lot of money. Uh, this one's great. Uh, we asked you the we're gonna we're gonna finish the show on this. Perfect. Uh, we asked uh, the question out to uh, our great listeners nine sixty nine sixty on the text line. Did Saturday's win at least take a little bit of the sting away from that playoff loss to the Oilers last season? Uh, this one's from Jordan in Calgary. Uh, Saturday's win did not take away the sting from five games uh, that well, we lost to in the spring. My relatives up north could care less that we won on Saturday. I still have to wear an Oilers jersey at the next family reunion. <laughs> you see, that's a great bet. Stuff like that is great when families do that. Jerseys at family reunions? Oh, I just feel so vile. Our man Eric, who's going to the Flames and Golden Knights tomorrow, he wore his Flames jersey to Thanksgiving dinner in an Oilers fan's den, so he was just asking for it. Took it in the teeth all day, but what did it do for him? Got him tickets. Won him some tickets to the game. And guess what the Oilers fans are going to be doing? This is what his family's going to be doing tomorrow. Probably making themselves dinner, watching reruns of Jeopardy. And how I met your mother, like, whew, Eric's winning. Uh, also got a text I want to share uh, from Big Mike from Maple Ridge because I said, hey, should I go to Edmonton? And he goes, uh, George, look at Edmonton's geographic location. It is the unwashed nether regions of Alberta. That'd be a Big Mike. So so Big Mike from Maple Ridge is probably saying, don't go. No, I think that's don't the go. exact okay. sentiment he's trying uh, listen, to. Listen, I don't want to make any enemies in Alberta. Like, I don't want to make any enemies in Edmonton. I feel like the show's already gone too far. So. Okay, well, our, it is what our, it is then. Our range is very far. It's true. Um, what but I'll tell you to, this. Yeah. Probably won't much, lose much sleep over it. No, I won't. Uh, people in Edmonton, I plan on never being there. Just like Winnipeg. I plan on never going to Winnipeg in my life. With yeah. all due respect to the city of Winnipeg and the, and the great people of Winnipeg. My co-host Inside the Lines is from Winnipeg, Dave Bastel, great guy. Patty but, Dumas. Yeah, Winnipeg. Alex Brody's from somewhere in Manitoba. And Patty Dumas literally told me, yeah, don't go to Winnipeg. <laughs> All right, uh, that's it for us. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We'll have more fun tomorrow. Uh, it's the big show, Rustic and Rose. Sports at 960, the fan. Bye. Bye.